Hello and welcome to Drafting the Dregs. This is your podcast for all things draft FPL. Now, this week, a few big things have happened, which we will definitely talk about. Uh, probably the first of all being that uh, we've had a 59th minute substitute uh, where anyone who's backed Dave gets only one point this week because we've brought in Jeff, a new manager. So, Jeff, it's it's a pleasure to have you here. Definitely an upgrade. Uh, we're hoping that you can bring a bit of zest onto the pitch uh, and get our team going. How, how's things been, Jeff? How, uh, how are you going this season in uh, our, our draft league? Everything going to plan thus far? Oh, look, uh, first of all, it's a pleasure to be here and uh, loving your work, even Dave's work, and uh, looking forward to some quality banter. Oh, there's always a lot. No, we're looking forward to have you on, and we will ask you a few questions shortly. But the second big bit of news is uh, that Ole is no longer at the wheel, but I've heard rumours that manager Gilbert is coming in uh, as interim manager to United. So I just want to know, uh, Gilby, what are the what are the first things you're implementing in the dressing room there for Manchester United to get them back on track? I'm firing Maguire immediately. Okay. Wow. Um, yeah, I think that'd be as captain or as total as player. No, he's he's uh, cutting some oranges for the team, and that's about as close <laughs> as he's getting there. And then I'm bringing in, well, really. I, I reckon I'd be an upgrade either with uh, either self Isaac or Jeff at the back there with some set piece magic. Um, I think either one would be an upgrade there at centre back. No, fair enough. Maybe just give Maguire a blunt knife, please. Uh, you know things could get messy if he's got the the full shebang. Now, look, Mick is with us as well. G'day, Mick. How you doing? I'm pretty good, mate. Yourself? I'm I'm wonderful. I just didn't want to have to wait until like you know thirty minutes until you said anything. So I feel like that's my thing though. I just sit here quietly and wait for you guys to say everything, and then I just wallow in my own misery. Just wallowing in your own multi, I think, is generally the way it goes. Uh, misery. There you go. There's a new multi word of the week. <laughs> Maybe that one will make an appearance. Very good. Well, look, let's let's get stuck in and and have a chat with Jeff now. Jeff, um, you've. You've been with us in terms of uh, our, our drafting league for, for quite some time. Um, I'd say from the very beginning, am I right? That's correct, close yes. To? Yeah. No, very good. Very good. So I'm really keen to hear some of your, your answers to these questions. And we'll start with the very first one, the very simple one. Um, name this year's drafting position that you had and the club you support in the EPL. Yeah, so uh, my name's Jeff and uh, I was third and... I was lucky enough to pick up Salah, which is the GOAT at the moment for my club, Liverpool. So, yeah, so I was very happy with to get that at third pick. There we go. Now, if if Salah had gone before, so let's say, because um, I know Gilby was considering Salah, um, it, does that mean you potentially would have gone for Fernandez? No, he was not on my radar. Not on the radar. Even if De Bruyne went second? Even if De Bruyne went second, wow. Who who would have been up next then? If you don't mind me asking. Sure, it would have been Kane. Would have been Kane. Okay, and that would have worked out beautifully for you at this point in time. So yeah, I'm very quite lucky happy. for you. <laughs> very very good, very good. Well, let's jump into the next one. Use three words to describe your drafting style. Look, I think big club. I, I very much go for clubs that are playing in the top six and seven and try to get the point scorers out of there and uh, Liverpool. So that's a, that's another one, but attacking, I like attacking players. Very, very nice. Um, okay. So I, 
that's probably a bit of a clue to maybe some of the players that you're going to be bringing into your 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 fantasy squad players past or present. So who would be in your current squad past or present? Look, I think that Salah would be in anybody's squad. Uh, he's he's doing amazing things this year and the last few years. So he's definitely in there. I'd have to go for Steven Gerrard as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then probably a Chelsea player in Frank Lampard and his peak because he was scoring goals and assists for fun. So I think those three in the midfield would be amazing. Ooh, that's a that's a pretty good midfield. I can't think of of much better midfield. Maybe maybe Hazard coming in, for example, could be a, another good option. But yeah, that's pretty solid. Pretty solid. I think Jeff actually had Hazard who carried him to his last championship a few years back. Yeah. Yeah, so true. It was a fairly handy midfield that I had Salah, Sterling in his peak, KDB and Hazard, and it was a good midfield. Oh, that was the year that Salah just came into the league, hey, and you picked him up quite late. Yes. Or actually, yeah, that's right. Yeah, because it's when you get that sneaky late pick of a player who actually then does really well, it makes it, makes it so much easier for you to score points, yeah. Definitely. I would just like to point out, boys, have we got... The, the winner of every fantasy league currently in the podcast. I no offense to Gilby here, but should oh. he be here? <laughs> like the three of us have all won one before. Are you this just saying? Be, are you just saying I'm champions mute, only? Do I mute Gilby for the rest of the? Yeah, yeah, maybe we need to. I mean, I've won three. You boys have both won two. I was actually look like you're well on the way to a third. Um, yeah, it's maybe it's a champions elect. Maybe that's what it's going to be. Maybe, maybe Dave. Average should never position get as well. Like if we look at average position, I'm pretty certain that's going to be a bit more even, Mick. Well, you've you've only got your your sample size is a bit smaller. Okay, I, I might have peaked early and it may be going down, but hey, I didn't come last last year. That's what matters. Maybe we should put it out to the Twitter poll. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh well, I don't know how how partial is Dave's mum to Gilby. I'm not sure. That'd pretty much be our only respondent. Hundred so. percent, Dave is back because he won the Twitter poll. He he, he can win that. That that's he's the champion of Twitter. Well done, Dave. Good job. Good job. Alrighty. So I I guess this is now the last question. So last question being, what is a pass mark for your for your end of season position? What what are you looking to to get to this season? Well, I think last season I finished six. So. Ideally, you want to be top four to make an improvement, but in all honesty, everybody wants to win it. Uh, but top four is probably where I'm looking at. So at the moment, I'm probably a five out of 10, but looking to climb the ranks. Yeah, and I guess you've made a few trades recently, which we have spoken about previously, but we might talk about again, um, which you're hoping will will get you there, Jeff? Definitely. <laughs> Love the confidence. Very, very nice. Well, thanks for being with us, Jeff. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have the other managers on. And uh, look, feel free to jump in whenever. You're more than welcome to uh, um, have a go at any one of us and uh, put in your thoughts and feelings. And we'll start with moments of the week. So um, I might hand this one over to Mick to start off with. We'll keep, we might keep the, the, the other, the big one until the end. So Mick, moment of of the week where are you going well like i said to you boys just briefly beforehand it's really tempting to go with the two games west brom have played this week and the 45 shots they've taken without scoring a goal um but no what i will go with (laughs) 
isn't really my moment of the week. It should have been my moment of the week, but I've listened to someone doing well, and as a result, it's Jeff's moment of the week. But it's a number one draft pick starting for a big team and scoring a goal, which might I add a very well-taken goal as well. So Raheem Sterling starting a game, scoring a goal, and me getting nothing for it. That's my moment of the week. <laughs> so, Jeff, can you just maybe talk us through that trade a little bit? Because that happened yeah. uh, maybe or just before the last game week. So how'd that come about? What what were your th- feelings about that one? So basically, I've been talking to, to Mick for a while about Havertz and Sterling and trying to come up with a bundle deal that we were both happy with. Uh, I think in the end, it came down to Havertz for Gundogan uh, and yep. the other two were collateral damage to that trade deal. Uh, and I think that it was time for both players to change hands. So I was happy, I'm mix happy, and uh, I just hope that all four players can get points for our team. No, fair enough. I'm a big fan of um, Gundogan. Um, I probably botched that pronunciation. I do apologize, but I'm a big fan of him. He did really well for me last year. So when I saw that trade, I thought, oh, you know, Mick could get some benefit out of that, especially if he keeps playing, uh, you know, as much as he as he might. So it could, could be a really good one to see who gets the best out of that trade. It's a little bit off topic, and I guess we'll get into this a little bit of the team, but while we're on the topic of that trade, I'm interested to hear, Jeff, you've got Mares in your team as well as Sterling. Both yes. kind of play the same position. I know if I had the choice between those two, I'd be keeping Sterling and dropping Mares. Points may say differently, but if you look at number of games started, African Cup of Nations coming up, to me it's a clear winner. I don't know why you'd keep two, so I'm interested to know what your plan is going forward, whether you're going to keep both of them in your team. Like you said, you're, you're a big team guy. That's who you like to follow. Um, but are you planning to keep both of those wingers or just keep one of them or maybe trade them both out for bait? Uh, Mares is gone this week. Oh, wow. Hot tip. I mean, that's basically what I said. I agree yep. with that decision. I think that's a right call. <laughs> Very nice. Wow. Okay. So well, we might be able to get out of Jeff a bit later on who is going to come in for Mares. Let's let's just wait and see. But uh, well, Gilby, just any... on a side note there, yeah. like I know Jeff was being really kind and saying he hopes all four players are going to go well. That's what he's saying in public. But like we're sharing a room people can't see at the moment. Before we came on this podcast, Jeff was telling me how much he enjoyed pulling mixed pants down on that trade. So <laughs> <laughs> that, that might be just saying for the public consumption at the moment that he hopes Mick's going to go well. When in reality, we're all enjoying Mick just down the bottom of the table. <laughs> I think Mick's enjoying it as well. Am I right, Mick? Uh, mate, when I got up this morning to watch Chelsea play, just it was a hammer blow. The only player on my team performing uh, and knee injury, unconfirmed length of time. We'll have to wait and see. And and so obviously with Chilwell being out, uh, can you remind our, our listeners, is Alonso available? Uh, yeah, unfortunately, Jeff picked him up last week, so <laughs> fantastic news, and we'll get into a bit later, but I've got a sneaking suspicion I had an 85% deal done to pick up a top player that's already been mentioned in this podcast for Chilwell, and when I spoke to that player and I said, I'm going to take that trade off the table because Chilwell's now injured, that manager responded with, damn, just my luck, my team's injured, and I responded with, he's in my team, not yours. So, we'll get into that a bit later. But oh, I'm looking forward to hearing a bit more about it's that. Just, it's just my luck so far, but fingers crossed is not as bad as first thought. I feel like that trade probably could have still happened by the given given that response mix. So, you know, oh, oh well, swings and rounds yeah. bounce. 
<laughs> Very good. Well, I might jump in with my moment of the week really quickly. I'll, I'll keep it short and sweet because I'm really keen to hear the next one. Um, Benteke, a Crystal Palace player whom I support, Brace, is perfect as I'm a supporter and it's lovely to see. It was a three-all draw. It was a, a good attacking game. Uh, but I happened to bring in Benteke this week into my, into my squad uh, and played him. Uh, as part of my 11. So picking up those sweet, sweet points was was my moment of the week. I really enjoyed that. And it's something I know we'll talk about a little bit later on. Uh, but let's move on to Gilby. Gilby, tell me that this is a positive moment of the week. I feel like over the last few weeks, they've just all been uh, negatives. Is there a positive that you can draw out of this moment of the week? Well, I mean, if you enjoy wallowing in misery, then sure. I suppose we can look <laughs> at it in a positive sense. Um, I... I don't know if you call it moment as such, but we, we always say it was going to happen and it's happened a little earlier than I was predicting. But Manchester United's horror show versus Watford, um, as soon as Solskjaer had come out before the match and said, there's going to be a response, um, they, we're going to play better than last time and that first half is the worst they played all season and we should have been more than two down to Watford, um, it, it was the end. Um, I mean, like Maguire, I mean can't say much more than that was a meme-worthy performance um, to look so terrible at the back and then get red-carded. Um, and then Van Der Beek came on and was our best midfielder and scored. And I think Jeff has pointed out earlier that it, he was the first and the last person to score for Solskjaer. So given the amount of minutes he scored, he's played for Solskjaer, it really just kind of sums it up, really. So, I mean, as to which manager is going to come in at the moment, they're saying it's going to be an interim manager. So uh, at the moment, it's probably looking more like that Carrick is going to hang on to the end of the season. And then we'll look at, I think Pochettino is the favorite at the moment. The fan favorite being Eric Ten Hag at Ajax. Obviously, Brendan Rodgers in a roundabout there as well. So which way they go is going to be really interesting. But I don't know whether or not you think Manchester United assets are worth a punt from now on. It's going to be really interesting to see how he's going to change, if he's going to change. I've seen some reports saying that Manchester United's confident of bringing Pochettino now, which would be a very interesting for a number of different reasons. So, yeah, I mean, I suppose it's going to be big drama at Manchester United, whichever way it goes. That doesn't sound like Manchester United over the last few years. Drama? That doesn't that doesn't make sense. No, well, yeah, obviously, I think we, we all would have woken up to that result uh, v Watford and just thought, yep, that's it for Ollie. He's, he's gone. Um, so, you know, I think... In terms of Man U assets, uh, I'm probably still not going to go there for a little bit, depending. Um, I saw Sancho started, for example, in the Champions League and scored a goal. So yeah, that could be tempting or enticing for some people, but probably not where I'm looking at this point in time. Um, but Jeff, we might swing over to you. Um, it'll be lovely to hear your moment of the week as a bit of a roundup. Look, uh, I think everybody's moment of the week was Man United's horror show, as uh, Gilbo made it. But uh, my moment of the week was actually the, on the sideline of Liverpool versus Arsenal, um, seeing the two managers go at each other and getting fired up and firing their teams up. It was great to see passion, and it was great to see the effect and uh, the four goals that came after it. You would have enjoyed those. Four. That's I'd, a ref's yeah. perspective too. Oh yes, you wouldn't have carded any of those. Surely you'd be sending right? one of them off, right? Yeah. Uh, if I'm the referee, they're both gone. But I'm also doing City League in Brisbane and not the Premier League. Oh, uh, so it's quite similar. 
I think they did both get yellow carded from memory. Yeah. Yep. Oh, okay. Okay. And so there's no real um, no real consequence for a yellow card for a manager in that sense? Just a warning, no. pretty much? Slap on the wrist. Okay. Do they accumulate like players? If they get five throughout the first 15 games, do they get sent off for a game? Like, I, I assume it's never happened, but it'd be interesting to know. I wouldn't know. I, I assume it would be the same. There we go. Very good. Well, it's it's a bit of a show. I don't think there was too many contentious decisions this week that anyone can think of. We do have a ref here with us, but you know, if, if, from time to time, there's always something that crops up like, oh, it'd be interesting to ask, ask Jeff this question. But uh, I don't think there was too much contentious action this weekend. Yeah, I don't think anyone really questioned Maguire's red card, to be honest. I oh, think, really? <laughs> I no, think that was about as good as it gets, really. I haven't seen it, but the retake of the penalty, was it pretty straightforward? Was he off his line, I'm assuming that was for? Or was it some encroachment? Um, but he took it twice and missed it both times. For my team. Do you get, like, double negative points for that, Gilby? He may as well have, but uh, he didn't, <laughs> um, at least. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just wallowing in misery for my fantasy team as well at the moment. So, I mean, Carrick's at the wheel. Let's drive us out of the swamp. <laughs> and what a beautiful swamp it is. Okay, well, let's maybe just just really quickly before we get into the wave of wire with Gilby. Um, mixed multi from last week. Now, Mick, I'm, I'm not sure... Uh, what your takeaway from this is, but was it a successful multi? Quickly before I go into that, yes, managers do get banned. So four Ooh. yellow cards is an automatic one, eight is two, 12 is three, 16 or more, and they get a visit to Wembley to sit in front of the FA disciplinary panel. So, I mean, is that if someone, maybe we should tell Tottenham, they might actually get to Wembley sometime. Um, <laughs> so anyway, into my multi. Was it a success this week? I'm going to go with marginal because, hey, it's Ooh. an M word. Maybe we'll throw marginal in there as well. So <laughs> it's it, it well, did it win? No. Did I get more back than I've had every other week? Yes. So it was a three-leg multi. Now, when one of those legs is impossible, you get your money back. I picked Rafinha to play and score a goal. He wasn't even named. So as far as I'm aware, my dollar I put in there to try and make $38 across the rest full season, I got a dollar back. So... I'm coming out ahead in that one. Well, I'm coming out square in that one, I should say. Um, but the rest of it, Tottenham wow. did win. So out of the three legs, one didn't happen. One happened. And Harry Kane is still awful. So maybe I need to stop predicting things that are never going to happen to happen. That, hey, so you're only $11 down then. Is that what we're saying? Is it, has it been 12 weeks? Then yeah, I'm $11 down. Which means I've still got 26 I'm weeks. I'm sorry, and... 13, my apologies. Oh, but still, damn. still. So as far as, uh, like like Jeff said, is in theory, I only need odds of 37 to 1 now because I only need to make up $37. <laughs> That's what we like to hear. Well, uh, it sounds like you've got some hope there. So we'll, we'll get into that later on. I'm sure that you're working your magic with your multi and something will um, come to the fore. So we'll, we'll hear about that a little bit later. But... I think this is everyone's favourite time. This is the waiver wire summary with Mol- with Gilby. Um, so, was there a fair bit of action this week on the league draft waiver, Gilby? Yeah, lots of action. Uh, lots of people making some moves. Uh, some of which worked out better than others, but I'll try and 
restrain my rage for now. Um, so <laughs> the first one to go was Ben dropping more pie for Armstrong. Now Mick's already hinted at that. A um, little bit of a mix move there. Uh, I gave it a 50-50. I couldn't really see the point of that really making that move uh, other than the fact that Ben supports Southampton. So that was probably got him across the line there. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan was next dropping Cavani for Huang. And given Cavani's been injured and it looks like um, that uh, Carrick is going to play a similar sort of system with one striker, I think I'm going to give that one an upgrade and say that Wang is um, an upgrade on Cavani at the moment. Jeff was next with an interesting one, dropping Cash for Walker-Peters. So I know Cash has been a favourite of his for a while, and it looks like Aston Villa are going to play pretty attacking 4-3-3 with attacking fullbacks. So what are we thinking there, Jeff? Is that like a short-term move, or is it going to be a long-term one? Look, definitely a short-term move. Um, I saw Southampton were playing Norwich, so I thought it was a chance to pick up some short-term points, and I wasn't quite sure on how Cash was going to play within the Villa system under Stevie G. So I took the punt, didn't come off, However, uh, we live and learn. Yep, so interesting one for me, that one, because Cash does look like he's going to play a really attacking role for Gerard. So that one is going to be maybe only there on the waiver wire for a pretty short term, I would imagine. Uh, Nate was next, dropping Perez for Barnes. Um, A Leicester swap there, both players that are playing bit part roles. It may be, say, an upgrade there. You'd probably maybe rather have Harvey Barnes and A. Rose Perez. Mm-hmm. So I'd say a slight upgrade. Um, I think it's I was fair next... enough. Yep. I was just going to say, I think it's fair enough given Barnes scored 10 points the week before. So you you can excuse him for thinking, well, it's a, probably a good way to go. Um, but then he only played 45 minutes. It's very, I don't know what um, Brendan Rodgers is doing. Yeah, no, he came out and he said um, he tried to match um, the Chelsea system and play 3-5-2. And then when that didn't work, then he uh, made the swap and went back to his similar old system. So I'm not sure what the reason around that one was. Leicester haven't been good really lately. So mm. that's a bit of an interesting one, as you say. Um, I was next. I dropped Salusu for Dyer. Um, I was happy that Dyer was still there. I thought a few people may go for him ahead of me, um, given uh, Spurs' fixtures look very good and Conte being a pretty famously strong defensive manager. So I was happy with an upgrade on that one. Um, Isaac, you were next, dropping Rodrigo for Watkins, who is somehow still available with the last pick of the first round. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking that's a definite upgrade for you there. Yep. What are you thinking, Isaac? I'd agree. Um, I don't know why he was not taken beforehand. There's seven people who could have picked him up, um, including everyone who, who's on this, this panel tonight. So I, I guess that's the question for you guys, why he, he wasn't anyone else's first choice. I guess I'll start with that one. So I had second pick this week. Um, skip straight over me because I didn't put anything through. Now, I've uh, I had highlighted him. I don't know if I mentioned him last week, but I had him as the best player available this waiver while. Um, I had no doubt about that. He was the person I had, and he I had him in a trade, uh, in a waiver, ready to go. But my issue was I've got Ronaldo and Jesus, one and two. As far as I'm concerned, Watkins isn't an upgrade on either of those two. Chris Wood is my third forward option. Burnley have started to turn a corner. Chris Wood is he's a Sean Dice player. He's a guy who, as far as I'm concerned, is pretty safe in that team. Um, yes, he's been... Uh, yes, substituted a bit earlier than normal. He's not playing a full 90, but I think he's relatively safe. And 
barring injury, touch wood because it's just my luck, but uh, he's going to play. Um, I wasn't sure whether Watkins was an upgrade on that. My issue was whether I could get something else of value. Um, I just couldn't see anything else there. So I had a few defenders I was looking at. My issue was midfielders are where I need to upgrade and there's just not a whole lot in the waiver wire. So I actually, I sent him Gilby a message this week and I just said, look, mate, I know you're a rival, but I just, I am at a loss. I, this is the obvious move for me. I just don't see there being as good as Watkins is the best player. He's not a big enough upgrade in my team to justify doing it. I don't think I get enough for it. I think I'd be better off doing a bigger upgrade for a lesser player that's going to help my team more. Um, but even then, it's kind of a worse team for a, be- a playing player rather than a good team for a guy who may or may not play. So I was a bit in between. I ended up deciding to stick rather than twist, so to speak. Um, but yeah, as, as to how nobody else picked him up, because I'd already highlighted before that there was a few guys, and I tried to make trades. I think that's that's what I mentioned to you guys before, is I tried to give up Wood and Jesus to try and strengthen a different position, knowing I had a good waiver wire pick. So I could be like, well, I'll give up a, a Wood or a Jesus, upgrade, say, my midfield or defenders, and then pick up Watkins in return, and I'm coming out way ahead. And unfortunately, I just couldn't get anything across the line and too hard to make a trade and couldn't get, get it done. So 100%, I think that's a great pickup. Watkins, especially in a new system, he, he, there's only upside as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it was um, an interesting one to see the leading manager strengthen again. And <clears throat> again, that was one of the... A few different things happened this week that maybe want to punch the monitor, but anyway. Why is that good? Um, how, did, how did the trade go for me? Is it a well, pass from you? I, I just want to know if it's a pass from you. I'm pretty certain I already said it was a significant upgrade, so we'll just leave it there, shall we? <laughs> um, ben was next. He tried to go for Dyer, um, but then a very interesting one for me, he dropped his old favorite Ward-Prowse for Hoiberg, um, which I couldn't really see an upside for Ward Press being a Southampton man, Ward Press being on set pieces, hasn't really contributed too many points so far. And Hoiberg is going to pop up with a goal maybe every six or seven matches, but is going to be a defensive midfielder. So there's a puzzling one for me. I was going to go 50 50 there. Mick, what do you think? He scored 10 points this week. If he drops and gets Ward Prowse back, that's a massive win in my book. He gets the eight <laughs> extra points that Ward Prowse didn't get, and he gets Ward Prowse back. So. If, even if it's a one-week thing, it's got to be a win, right? It's on the cards. I, I don't think you can ever count on Hoiberg scoring. Um, so I, I don't think Ben's logic is, let's drop Southampton when they play Norwich and pick them up the week after. I'm assuming because they played Norwich, Woodprouse isn't coming back in. But you never know. Well, if, they've if got Liverpool this that, week, so probably not. <laughs> they've got Liverpool this week, so yeah. Yeah, that one was, it, it worked out for him in the end, so power to him. If he's made some kind of um, really brilliant move there, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, Dan was next, dropping Ogbonna for Zuma. Bad knee injury for Ogbonna, unfortunately, so always going to be an upgrade there. Uh, Jeff then had three backup trades lined up for cash that weren't <laughs> actually needed. Um, he was going to bring in Guai, which will make a bit more sense a bit later on, and Alonso. Um, so two of those potentially had a bit of an impact on what happened a bit later on. Um, Nate then had two other backups. I had two other backups and then we went to Isaac's moves. So, um, I'll get Isaac just to stay quiet for now. I will go through all three moves and, um, then Isaac will proceed to 
don't know, drop his pants and piss all over us for all I know. So then um, Isaac was first. He first move was dropping Ings for Benteke, who proceeded to score a double. Uh, dropped Hudson Odoi for Lucas Maurer, who proceeded to score an assist. And then dropped Henry for Gawai, who also scored for Crystal Palace. So out of those three players, I think that was a good 30 or so points for you, Isaac, there. Yeah, about that. Um, although uh, Henry also scored a goal, so he also got seven points. So um, if, if that trade didn't go through, for example, it still would have been okay. Um, but yeah, that <laughs> some good trades there. Um, in terms of the Benteke trade for, for Ings, obviously getting Watkins meant that, well, I could potentially drop Ings. Having two Aston Villa strikers probably doesn't make a whole heap of sense. Uh, and I know that it, once upon a time, people were sort of telling me, well, Watkins has more upside. So, I mean, I don't mind having Watkins. He, I had him last year and he was really, really good for me as well. Um, but to be honest with you also, at the time when I made that particular um, waiver, Ings still had a red Dorito next to his name. Um, pretty much all the way up until Stevie Girard had his first uh, press conference when he said, oh, yeah, no, he might feature for us. And then that swiftly dropped. Um, but that was sort of either really close to or just after when the waivers went through. So I didn't really have a chance to to react to that. Um, but at the end of the day, Watkins did well for me. Benteke got two goals for me, which is awesome. Um, hudson Adoy, I just figured that I probably got a little bit out of him, so I was happy to move him on. And Lucas Moura looks really lively uh, for Conte. Um, and I just wanted some of that Tottenham action. Um, and Guayhi and Crystal Palace have been playing really well um, and have been defending really well too. Um, and so I was really happy that um, I was able to get some points from him. So the fact that uh, all of my waiver wires turned out this week is, yeah, makes me happy. Rage inducing. Yes, that's correct. Oh, all okay. Right, so, yeah. yeah. Um, so then we had three final moves on the free agents after all those had gone through. Uh, Jeff was first, dropping Gabriel for Alonso. So, Jeff, is this trade bait for a certain other manager, potentially, or is Alonso someone you're going to stick with for a while? Or are you psychic? Oh, look, Alonso's done me some uh, good points in the past, and I know he'd been injured for a while, and he was just coming back from injury, and when he was fit, he was regularly in the side. So I thought it was a good deal and Chelsea are in a rich vein of form. So I thought it was an upgrade and I was hoping as well to have that, to pass it on to a certain manager in trade bait. However, that won't happen now. So I'm happy to have Alonso. You you think Isaac's trades are rage inducing Gilby? I think because I had three of them, I think it's fair that they are. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I think I think that there is more to come there because when I was actually looking at it, um, Chilwell may actually not be as bad as first thought. It says 75% chance of playing from what I can see on the report I'm reading. So there may be some moves to be made there, I think. Dan was next. He dropped Saka for Greenwood which I found a little bit puzzling. Um, A starting midfielder for a midfielder that potentially plays up front, but is in a giant mess at the moment. I think we're calling it the Swamp. So that's an interesting one. I don't think that will last too long in the waiver wire, given Mick's chuckling in the background. And then I was last to make a move. 
Uh, it was a really painful one for me. Uh, I know Isaac's been recommending it for weeks. Um, I dropped Tielemans and brought in Buendia. Um, I couldn't hold on to Tielemans given his latest injury, given the other dramas my team has at the moment. So it's a painful one. I'm hoping Tielemans is available again, but given our mid-season draft is coming up as well, um, he was probably going to be one of the ones I would have to drop then anyway. So given the other issues I've got with my team, um, it was a painful one, but I think I had to do it. It's only maybe a kind of a 50-50 swap at the moment because I thought Brendia may be playing that left wing inside four position. He did, but didn't play well at all. So in, uh, I'm not sure if I got the best out of that one. What do you reckon, Jeff? Yeah, look, I actually think that's on the face, but it's okay. I'm more interested in knowing your opinion on taking advice from the current ladder leader. Well, I mean... Isaac won the championship from me last season, overtook me in the last few rounds based on his transfers and his transfers so far this season have been, I don't know, nothing short of clairvoyant. So I'm not sure if he's made some kind of deal with some kind of dark entity, which I'm beginning to suspect. Um, I don't know if that's potentially happening there. Um, but yes, yeah, it was a tough one for me to give up to humans. Um I think he's going to be really good for whoever ends up having him later on in December when he comes back. But yeah, that was the end of the free trades and the waivers for me. Um, just a really rage-inducing week all around, really. Well, let's get into why. Uh, let, let's let's give the the listeners the, the the entire picture as to why that might be the case. So, should we should we look at the league, Gilby? Should we look at the league ladder? Uh, I'm sorry, my mic's cutting out. I might have to go. Oh, so I think that's a yes. So let's let's do it. Um, let's quickly go from number one. Uh, so I'm still at the. T- so this is the second week uh, where I'm still in the lead, which is which is lovely considering Gilby was uh, in the lead for so long. So um, I've been able to extend that lead quite significantly. On I've had 78 points this week, which I haven't looked at everybody else's, but I'd say that's one of the highest halls for a round so far this season am i right yes unfortunately (laughs) and what makes it even better is that you know the scores below that were significantly lower so it's it's meant that i've been able to get a bit of a lead um in fact i've been able to get a 52 point lead over gilby um just looking at my team really quickly um i got sort of points uh, we've discussed a lot of them already but i got some good points in all the right areas of the pitch. So Mendy with a shout out for six, uh, Gahey with seven, Rudiger with 14, scored a really, really nice headed goal, um, moving all sort of away from goal. Uh, Dunk was there for one, unfortunately, but hey, that's okay. Trossard two, Mora with a five, Suchek with two, Mane with a 12. Um, so he picked up a, um, a, a nice goal and an assist there, which was good. Um, Adams, who I had from a couple of weeks ago, came chimed in with nine points. Um, a good goal there. Benteke with 12 and Watkins with eight. Now, keep in mind that I did have three players automatically substitute in, which was quite handy, but that's why I'm trying to keep uh, putting a higher price on having all 15 players that are playing. I'm really trying to make sure that I've got that on the bench if I ever need it. So that's a pretty big, um, something that's really big for me that I want to make sure I keep doing, considering we're going to African Cup of Nations and things like that too. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I when I looked at your team, I thought in a week where you've been forced to make 
three automatic subs and the three players who dropped out were three of your biggest point scorers and you still got 78 points. Um, yeah, that was just yet another fist through the monitor from me. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I mean, I was uh, pretty happy as I was seeing the game week develop, I must say. Uh, and, and sort of having a look at how the people below me were going as well made me um, even happier, to be fair. So, look... But I, I think the thing that I always come back to, especially with this game, is that it can change pretty quickly. We've seen it um, in that, you know, I could have a stinker of a week for two weeks and then be caught quite easily. So, you know, you've got to take the points while they're there. Um, I'm really happy with my team at the moment. There might be there might be like one change that I want to make. But o- overall, I'm I'm really I'm pretty happy. Um, does anyone anyone want to make any suggestions to how to change and better my team? Any, any, anything, Jeff? Whole squad oh. swap with me would be good. Oh, okay, yeah. I'd probably think, still beat you. I think you're doing a fine job at the moment, so I think you're uh, doing well. Thank you very much. I appreciate that, Jeff. I, I, I like that I'm getting some positivity from somebody. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I just want to point out, like, I don't know if you guys have said, I feel like I'm, I'm being aggressive in the waiver. And I feel like that's sort of starting to pay off for me a little bit. I'm not sure how long, I guess, I don't know how long I'll keep doing that. But I feel like that, you know, it's the way that this is structured for us now. I feel like you have to be aggressive and trying to get, to try and get maximum points. I don't know if anyone else feels that based on what they've seen so far this season. Yeah, no, well, the main thing for me is you've done so incredibly well with the transfers because when I look at your team, um, there's probably only three or four players who I would directly say is an upgrade on what I have in my team. But what you've done so well is you picked players at the right time, dropped players at the right time, and it's worked really well for you because um, when I looked at everyone's team after the draft, I was really, really happy. I thought I had drafted the best I nearly ever have. And the first few weeks were looking so good and I was really happy with it. But, I mean, you've done incredible to pick people at the right time. So, I mean, at the moment, probably the advantage you look at your team, I would probably say be interested to see what you think as well. At, so, the people you would never, ever consider dropping would probably be Mendy, Rudiger, Mane, and maybe Robertson and Diaz. So, you'd probably say maybe four or five who you wouldn't drop, but the rest you could kind of come and go. And given your strength of trades, that probably suits the way you want to play. Yeah, basically, like when I when I drafted, I wanted to try and keep a I have a core of players, and I quite early went for forwards, and actually all of those those forwards are now now not in my team, so uh, I've had to change based on the points that I've seen coming in. Um, so yeah, my defense has been quite solid, and I think um, I've got six players who I only six players left in my my squad who I originally drafted, so I think I've just taken the the idea of well i'm not afraid to drop some people um and i guess it goes back to this week like i wasn't necessarily looking to drop ings but when i when i originally saw that he still had that red flag i thought well this is too many weeks for me now i need to i need to pick up those points um and so i went ahead and did that it it worked out but i'm now obviously know that ings is now in the waiver um, for for somebody else to pick up, and he will be picked up, no doubt, really quite quickly, um, and that's fine. Uh, at the moment, I'm I'm happy with what my forward line looks like, but 
I guess now with that forward line, considering none of them I had at the beginning of the season, I'm not afraid to drop if I think that somebody else is going to come in and bring me more points. So, um, yeah, that's, I guess, my the, the way I'm going to be working, I guess, from now on, keep those core players and, and shuffle things around and try and pick up points where I can see them. So, yeah, it's um it's a good strategy thus far. So we'll, we'll see if it continues. We'll see if I can keep building. Um, and... I don't know. We'll see if one day um, someone else might do some trades with me as well. That'd be good. No, I haven't. My phone call hasn't. My phone hasn't been ringing. No one else has uh, been asking for some trades from me. So we'll just wait and see, shall we? I think it's a matter of everyone's just fearing whatever dark entity you've got on your side at the moment. Um, they'll probably wake up with like I don't know, missing a leg or horns for a head or something. I don't know, like you wave a wand or something. <laughs> I was just having a quick look, and you said you've been aggressive in your waivers. Um, now, when you say aggressive, how, how would you describe, how would you define you've been aggressive, Isaac? I would define it as I've probably had have had more waiver trades than anyone. So you've had 22. Now, I think that involves free agent trades as well, so after yep. waiver while. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, Jeff in this room has had 30. Wow. So I've had 19. Now, this is the interesting one. Gilby has had 11. So to me, yes, you may be right, but I wouldn't say you've been the most aggressive. To me, Gilby, you've been too passive. You've said you've been holding on to Calvin Lawn, and I understand your reasoning, but how long now have you been playing with 14 guys in your squad? Is the value, and it's hard, you can't do anything about it now, and he's meant to have returned, and he had another injury, and that's prevented things, and you can't foresee that. So that, that unfortunately happens. Um, but it's a really hard one. Is it almost You almost need at the start of the season to put a, almost like a, a stamp saying if a guy has an injury of more than two weeks, it's not worth the risk of holding. You need to hope. I guess the look at it is if he's your third striker. Now I can't remember exactly who you have. You have Antonio Calvert-Lewin and Aubameyang. Aubameyang. Who would you consider? Rank those in order. Well, just but let's do that. But then, Gilby, you might just want to go into your team after we've had this discussion. Because I'll be honest, I was going to bring up the same thing about your particular team, Gilby. Because in my opinion, Antonio is probably going to be up there. Aubameyang plays for arguably the best team. You know, you could argue West Ham is probably better than Arsenal at the moment. But Arsenal were looking better before a 4-0 loss. In that sense, would you say Calvert-Lewin, particularly with how bad Everton have been while he's been away, is he your worst forward? Is he? He's probably... Would Watkins have been an upgrade? In my opinion, yeah. Yeah, no, I did have a look at it, but um, a few things made me think of that. Well, just really quickly, my team anyway, this will be real fast. Um, my <laughs> team was a disaster. Um, so uh, my top scorer was Jota, who then picked up a knock to his knee, who then got substituted out, and the player who came on for him scored. So I really needed a double from him and didn't get it. He was my top scorer. Saar was my top scorer, despite missing not one, but two penalties. Um, what else happened? Oh, uh Fernandez and Rashford, or Bamiang or Tanio appeared and did not much else. So yeah, that was fast. Um, so um, Calvert Lewin, I did think about it. Um, I looked at his points at start. I think he is an elite striker, and the reason I've held him this long is I didn't see any upgrades in the system um, available. And the other thing is. Uh, the system we've kind of used for the mid-season draft in the last few seasons has been forcing you to drop a certain number of your top five and your mid-five, that sort of stuff. So I was thinking that 
Calvert-Lewin has now dropped right down towards the bottom of the pile in terms of overall points. So he'll be an easy one for me to hold on to and then give up someone who will be who'll have higher overall points, but I wouldn't rank as highly as him. So that would be the other reason I've decided to hold Calvert-Lewin for this long. Um, yes, I was carrying for, I've been carrying 14, carried 13 for a long time because I drafted Rashford as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I was really, really happy with my draft. Um, I still, to this day, I'll be adamant that I drafted the best out of anyone in the league, but it just has not gone well for me these last four, it's been four or five weeks in a row now that I've been bad and this has been the second week in a row that's been last place so maybe i was wrong i, I would 100 agree you drafted the best look at the first two weeks and i don't think there's much doubt about that um i guess you've said before that the reason you lost last season is because of your free agent trades now you may have drafted the best from the start of the season but the games change from where preseason would have been you get more knowledge as you go through if you drafted that same team in week four i would argue that it's not the best team, and I, you know, I sure you can go through stats and argue this exactly the same thing. So, I would say as a thing that it, Isaac had a fair bit of luck. You look at this week and the six players free agent or the waivers that he put through right at the end, they total more than my entire fifteen scored this week. Um, so when he's six, including three, he doesn't want score better than my top fifteen. There's an issue. So I would argue that we need to be more proactive. We need to go out there and swap more now. I think that's a byproduct of our former system where we had people to carry and it's not as you can carry those injuries a bit easier and we're not used to trading and waiver wiring as much. Um, but I think, yeah, definitely something we need to do is I reckon most people should be putting in one or two trades every week. I don't think there's any reason why we shouldn't be going and hitting up a random Brighton back to try and get a one week hit and then worrying less about what we're going to lose for the week after that. I think, we more so need to take a week by week proposition to try and get there. Now that comes from me coming in seventh. So look into that with nothing because you're coming second, but that's what I think. And I think hundred percent in hindsight, come the end of the season, when you potentially lose to Isaac by a single point, you're going to regret keeping Calvert-Lewin as long as you have. Possibly. But the other thing, like you said, like it would be easy to say, yeah, make a week to week move, but if I've been drafting from last spot for the entire season as well. So I've been always really reluctant given that as soon as I drop one of my players, I'm not going to get him back. Um, because I thought as soon as I drop Calvert-Lewin, someone's going to take that punt and I'm not going to uh, be able to get him back. So sure. I mean, in the end, it's we're going to be waiting at the end of the season. We'll have to have a look and say, yep, that was the right move at that time. Or that was the wrong move. Like I've said, like, I've drafted heavy on the strikers this season and I'm willing to carry injured players and rotation players because I think it doesn't matter when I score my points as long as I score them because they're not doing round-by-round scoring this season. Um, If I can, I think if Aubameyang, Antonio and Calvert-Lewin, I think they're going to hit it and hit it big at some point. So I'm willing to wear a couple of 30-point rounds if it means I can get an occasional 70 or 80-point round. I think my question would be, so... You've say you've had Calvert Lewin for the first three rounds. I think he scored twenty two points. In that time, you could have picked up someone say like Edward. He missed the first three rounds. He scored thirty two points from then. In my opinion, if you hadn't dropped him straight away, you've got those extra thirty two points. Those thirty two points. The question is, from now to the end of season, will 
Calvert-Lewin outscore someone like Edouard by 30 points or more? Yes. Um, so in the end, the thing that's kind of screwed me a bit is, as you alluded to, is Calvert-Lewin, at first, he was going to be out for a month. And I thought, yeah, okay, I can wear that. Then it got longer, and now it's got longer again. So I think his new projected date is the 12th of December. So whether or not that's going to happen or not, I thought, well, that's close enough to the mid-season draft that I'm prepared to wear it and see what happens and then potentially hold him for the rest of the season. But yeah, in my opinion, he's an elite striker. I think, so Mick basically had the conversation that I was wanting to have anyway. And I've had this conversation with you before, Gilby, in terms of holding on to, to certain players. And like, I know he's an elite striker. I get that. Like he is. It's, there's no doubt about it. He can he can bang in goals. He's going to score points. But if you look at the fact that you had two players who you did this with for an extended period of time, um, I think you can do it for one. I'm not sure you can do it for two. If you have a look at Rashford, he was out for seven weeks, and since then he's only picked up 16 points since he's been back. I think that. In those seven weeks, you could have picked up a midfielder to, to to get a lot of points. You may not have been able to pick up Rashford again. But I also guarantee in the weeks since Rashford's been back, you would have been able to swap players around to pick up more than 16 points. And Rashford isn't going to make up the points in those first seven weeks that you could have potentially got. Like, we can speculate. We're obviously speculating, and, and we could say, oh, you know, uh, maybe you would have only picked up 20 points, or maybe you, maybe you would have picked up 50 points. We don't know, but that's just a feeling that I get. And because you did it with two, I just feel like um, you maybe could do it with one. Um, and the same with Calvert-Lewin. He's going to be he's out for a long, long time. You could have picked up someone like Benteke when he got injured and scored, or Dennis or someone like that, and rotated or done whatever. Um, and you could be sitting on another 40, 50 points more. Um, and for me, I, I was in your similar situation as you in that Vanford got injured quite, and he's been injured for quite some time, and I made the call to get rid of him. No one still picked him up. Um, you know, could I get him back? Probably. Like, I could pick him back up this week if I wanted to, and it would probably be okay. Um, but at the same time, I'm comfortable that there's enough there for me to pick up the points to be able to make up points that Bamford would potentially get. I, that's just my feeling. And I, I just see the average of your points that you've been getting over the last few weeks. Um, I just feel like you, you, you could have been a little bit more aggressive in that field. I oh, know we're yeah, harping no. on about it, I, you know, but... <laughs> Yeah, I, I, Mick, you had something to add? Yeah, I, I think my quick point I was going to add is, and I've mentioned my midfield struggles. In my opinion, Have you? Ba- you based sure? on based on our squad sizes, so we all need five mids, that means 40 midfielders are going to be gone. We only need three strikers or forwards. 24 forwards are gone. I don't think the forward depth is as weak as people make it. I think the midfield depth, as in the quality midfield, is way weaker than the forward midfield. Now, I, I don't know whether that's just me. I've got Jesus and Ronaldo and arguably two pretty good forwards. Jesus, not as striker, he's more of a winger now, um, but for a great team. So when he plays, you never know. You could get a 12, 15, 20-point haul relatively comfortably. Ronaldo, Ronaldo, yep, he is what he is. He'll play. He'll get a call every now and again. I just don't think the mids, sorry, the, the forwards are as weak as it's made out. Now, I've just kind of ranked all of the forwards that are available in our league by minutes played. Now, 
90 minutes a game, there's been 12 games, so my maths is going to be awful, but 1,080 minutes off the top of my head. Now, you've got Pookie available, 1,009. Dennis has 820, and I'm pretty sure he served a red card in that. Danny Ings, 800. Morpay, 760. So all of these guys are averaging 70 minutes. Rodrigo, 760. AU, 700. Joe Ellington, 600. Obviously, Wilson was injured. Sergeant, Rondon, all of those are 450 or more. So they've averaged half the season. I don't think, yes, some of those are short-term guys, yeah? So they're going to get minutes when other guys are injured. I reckon, and I've said this, you could have dropped, and hindsight's easy. We've laughed about that. If there was one injury and he didn't get the second one, we wouldn't have mentioned this. He would have had a great season. You'd be up there pushing with Isaac. As a result of this, if we'd known it was a longer-term injury, Calvert-Lewin would have had to have been dropped, like Isaac said. And I would have understood if he'd kept Rashford. If he was a midfielder, 100% I'd keep him. Hasn't maybe necessarily played out as well. He hasn't played as much as you'd hoped or scored as much as you'd hoped. But I think Calvert-Lewin could have been dropped because you could have rotated between a Pookie, between a Joe Ellington while Wilson was injured, between a, a Jordan AU before Benteke hit form. Between those three guys and a Morpay, you could have had a someone, a, one of those strikers, playing against a bottom seven or eight team, potentially scoring minimum two, if not a six, seven or eight point round. And I think I, I mentioned before, 30 points is what Edouard had. I think you rotate all those three and you hit the right ones at the right time. Yes, you're low on the transfer waiver because you had such a good start. That is a hard thing to consider. But I think, yeah, we've got to look at what could have been and all of those different hits could have added up to so much more than that 30 points I mentioned for Edouard. And, and that lost points is could potentially hurt you come the end of the season in terms of winning. Yeah, no, no doubt it may well. Um, like as we said, like... Um, uh, Calvert-Lewin's return date's been moved a couple of times now, so that stung me, as well as our mid-season draft, which we'll probably talk a bit more in another podcast, the exact format of how that's going to work. But, I mean, in the past, um, last couple of seasons, I've always started really well, and then I think one of my players, like, um, went, and Isaac's done really well in the trade, so it is a weakness to mine. I think in the last few seasons, I've potentially been too loyal to um, some of my favourite players and some of the players that have started really well thinking it's going to turn for me. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe it's something I need to have a look at. But, yeah, I mean, in the end, I suppose we'll see at the end of the season. And I'll just end this by saying, like, I've also had this same conversation with Mick as well. So I'm, I'm not trying to pick on any one person. Like, I've said the same thing with Mick. Like, I wanted him to drop Sterling for so long. I'm glad you finally got a trade, Mick. But um, I, I still know that, you know, he could have definitely got a lot more points out of his first however many game weeks um, and be a lot further up the table as well. So, you know, I, I guess it's just the way I'm playing at the moment and I'm just but trying again, to project like, that. As soon as he, as soon as he drops Sterling, he scores. So this yeah, is the thing, like, 13 I, dropped, in. <laughs> I, dropped, I, I dropped Calvert-Lewin and he hadn't had that second injury and he comes in and scores a hat-trick. Like, my it's easy argument, to sit here and say yeah. what you've all said, but it's hard to do it five weeks ago. My argument oh, is yeah. a starting striker is different to a starting midfielder and attacking midfielder. I think a playing Sterling has more value than a playing Calvert-Lewin, in my opinion. I disagree. And with that, we'll stop bashing Gilby because, you know, he's. Uh, we don't need to bash up Gilby anymore. He's had enough with Man United. We've, let's move past his squad. But at the end of the day, 
you know, things. this has all happened. Let's get into the rest of the league. So we've got... Also, Gilby, so 36 points this week. I, I think you might have mentioned that. 560 total. Um, and then coming in at third, we've got Nathan. Uh, he picked up a pretty good haul of 56 this week. Um, 552 points. So just behind Gilby there. Uh, let's have a look at his team. So he was able to get the majority of those points with his backs. If you have a look at his backs, they've done incredibly well. Uh, Matip came off off the bench because De Bruyne didn't play. He's got he's got COVID nineteen, um, but his backs killed it this week. So Regulon with nine, Laporte with five, Cancelo with twelve. Cancelo's been an absolutely uh, amazing pickup for him. Um, Matip with six, Edison with six. That's pretty much where the bulk of his points came from. Um, obviously Gallagher as well with five in the midfield. Uh, Jimenez with eight, um, and you know he's. He's got two players on the bench in the Firmino and De Bruyne who are injured at the moment, which, um, you know, I don't know whether he's planning on doing anything around that. Uh, it's it's easy to see that Everton are off the ball at the moment because he's only got one-pointers from Richarlison and Gray. Uh, but, you know, you look at his team overall and his backs have really carried him this week and he's got a good point to all of that. Has anyone got any any other tidbits to, to mention with Nath's team? Yeah, Cancelo is the equal top defender now with TAA. So, great pickup for him. Um, playing that inverted wing-back role, yeah, was done really, really well. Good on him. Um, I think we've loved to mock some of Nate's choices in the past, but sitting in third, only eight points behind me, and if that defence keeps going, I mean, like, the defenders he's got are very, very consistent as well. If yeah. Laporte keeps playing, Reguilons look really attacking. Um, yeah, I mean... If he gets KDB back on the field, like, could we be seeing a Nate charge for the title? I never thought I'd say that sentence. <laughs> I think he's done incredibly well. I think, take out those first two weeks, and I assume he is a clear second. Relatively clear. Now, Isaac's pretty good at knowing in those numbers, but um, obviously, Gilby, he's not that far behind you as it is. So, I would assume he'd cover that distance up purely based on how good your first couple of weeks were. Um, but yeah, he's done incredibly well. You look at his team and it's pretty solid across the board. Um, he's had Damari Gray for the last, what, like five weeks where I assume he's done absolutely nothing. Um, one, three, two, five, two, two he's had in the last six weeks. So he's going pretty well considering Firmino's injured, De Bruyne's injured, Richarlison's now suspended. Um, yeah, credit to him. Yeah, and I think um, he's... He's really thought about his trades. He's really thought about uh, like trades with other managers and the waiver wire as well. Made some handy additions to his squad. So, um, you know, he he may not be looking to make too many trades with other managers, but he may be looking to maybe dip into the the waiver wire a little bit to to try and get a few extra points there. I wonder with Firmino what he's going to do. I wonder if he's going to look to to hold on to him and just sort of wait out this particular injury. Um, Either that or maybe Jeffy might look to to make a trade with you. Would you be keen on a Firmino given your 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 wonderful Liverpool? I think that it'd have to be a very attractive deal because he's a very defensive forward. Uh, so he drops in and lets Seller and Mane come around him. So for me, I've got three very precious forward positions. I want to make sure they're out and out strikers. So for me, Firmino doesn't fit the bill that I want in my team. 
Okay. We, yeah, you definitely like your attacking players. And this might be a good point uh, chance to jump into your team, Jeff. So 37 points this week, coming fourth, uh, 515 in total. Now, we'll talk about Dave in a moment, uh, but in fourth place, uh, what did you make of your team's performance this week? Look, in a high-scoring round, it was disappointing. Uh, I was hoping to make up a bit of room on Nate, and uh, it didn't happen. But Nate, as he said, is in a hot streak. So I'm looking at Juan Basaka. I'm I'm looking at him going. I've been holding and holding him. Not sure how long I'll keep a hold of him now. He's had zeros, and his performance lately has been pretty poor. But if I have a look, I had the gear for six. I had Van Dyke for six. I brought in Walker Peters because he was playing Norwich, uh, hoping for a shutout there, and he proceeds to get a zero. Um, Havertz came in from Mick uh, to get three. Bernardo got eight, and that was pretty much it. I'm going to talk about Salah. He is carrying my team, and he did it again, uh, so with eight points. And I also left Sterling on the bench in his customary bench three position, only to get eight points, which could have been very handy. So uh, I've learned my lesson, and he'll start next week. There we go. Now, talking about Salah, now you've mentioned that he's he's carried the team. We've, we've actually spoken about this on the podcast. We've looked at a few stats around that because um, oh. – What's he on? A thousand points at the moment, or something ridiculous? Like who, who even knows? Um, but what is your play, African Cup of Nations? Uh, that's going to be a pretty big loss, I imagine. So what what are you looking at doing between now and then? So he's on one hundred and twenty five points. Um, looking at the draw, and I've already looked at this. He's probably going to miss three Premier League games. Um, he's going to miss uh, probably two cup games. Uh, I can't get rid of him he's one of my locked ins and if if i have a couple of zeros it's it's fine so he's not going anywhere no fair enough fair enough and and vardy's been your other big player now he's sort of gone off the boil the last few weeks he's obviously your style of player very attacking has done really well in past seasons but i think over the last few seasons well he has dropped off a little bit over time um i imagine he's a fixture of your team too uh, well, I'm actually bringing Werner in this week. Uh, he'll be my second striker. Vardy, I think, needs to drink a few more Red Bulls and actually get going again. So, And we'll see if he gets that third striker spot. But he has gone off the boil, and he does this every year. He'll start well, off the boil, then come back. So um, if a relevant trade offer came in, I'd be more than happy to consider it. Oh, there we go. Hot tip for the... For the listeners out there, um, Dave, I'm talking to you, but uh, I, I like that. I like that. So is is it maybe Walker Peters on the chopping block this week? Maybe Juan Basaka? Are you looking at both of those with the hyphens in their name or is it you're being more cautious? Uh, Walker Peters will be gone. Um, that will happen. Juan Basaka, I'm looking at Man United's fixtures and they've got a very kind run coming up. So as much as I dislike having Man United players in my side, I'll probably be keeping him uh, because he'll fit into that wing-back role that I think can get points. Uh, so I'm, I'm less likely to trade him, but I'll be active again in the waiver wire. Oh, I like it. And I, th- I, I get the feeling Alonso might get a game for you as well. So that, that will no doubt be interesting. I'm not sure who they're playing this week. Who are they playing this week? They're playing... Uh, easy three points. Oh, of course, they're playing Man United, so there you go. Um, 
wing back versus wing back. That'll that'll be interesting. So no, very nice. It's it's good to to hear your sort of perspective on your team. Uh, fourth place, like you said at the beginning, looking to maybe jump up a little bit. Everyone wants to win it, and um, I guess the, is it eating away at you that Day was able to catch up with you and is on equal fourth this week with 40, 48 points in the in the round and five hundred and fifteen points total. He's he's equal fourth. Does that eat at you a little bit, Jeff? No. Oh wow. Is that because you're going to streak away really soon again? Uh, flash in the pan stuff. Uh, he'll fall away. <laughs> Can we stop using terms like streak away and flash? Like, I've just got all this and just, just images I don't need. I mean, for those people listening, Dave generally has his shirt off during these podcasts. And, you know, that's confronting enough without us saying those words. Well, if you want to know about flashing, maybe you should ask uh, Gilbo about my certain goal celebration. Oh yes, I please. did happen. I did happen to mention that in the podcast. Uh, I think it was a few weeks ago. Um, it's probably I'm going to put my hand up and say it's the best goal ever scored for St. Catharines in our ten years or so that we played in various incarnations. Um, a cracking volley from uh, say maybe twenty meters into the top corner, and yeah, the shirt may or may not have stayed with Jeff. That's probably all I'll say with that. That's a tough call, and I feel like Nathan, one of the listeners, may argue that his goal to seal the grand final win yeah. on the swivel volley, that's got to be close in extra time. That was a pretty good uh, goal. Nah, I, I'm still taking Jeff well ahead of that. Is it because of the celebration? That may have added to it, yeah. I'll, I'll <laughs> say that, having, having like standing probably five metres beside him, yeah. Um, it, was, it, was a, it was a cracking hit, I'll give you that. Very nice. Did I imagine he took off like a flash after he uh, scored that goal too with this shirt whipped off? Well, I remember a friend of his actually came to watch a match. It was the only match I think that mate ever watched. And yeah, he streaked off towards him sans shirt. And um, yeah, it was it was a pretty epic celebration. I'll say that. There we go. Who 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 were they versing? If you don't mind? can you remember the team? Would they have appreciated that celebration? Up. Yeah, we, we were playing Kenmore um, at the back of um, Kenmore there, that field where you go straight over the really steep hill. Um, and yeah, I think I don't think we won that. I do remember the referee thinking about carding Jeff, but then he was like, ah, screw it, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> so <laughs> I think I think he there was um, a few comments along the lines of put it away, but... Um, Probably from the I mean, Cats team. Yeah, I think Jeff. Uh, if I mean, if I'd have scored that goal, um, I wouldn't have cared any like whatever anyone else said. So I don't think Jeff did. So I mean, you can you can play your whole life without scoring a goal like that. Lovely. Uh, there'll there'll be many more times where we come back and talk to, about some wonderful St. Cats moments. I was I'm just relieved it wasn't against Rosewood. There would have been a bust up if that was the case. Um, with that celebration and that, those tactics, but uh. That's a, that's a story for another time. So let's maybe have a look at uh, at Dave's flash in the pan. Oh, I've said that word again. Um, 48 points for the game week. Uh, just quickly looking through his team. Trent Alexander-Arnold for 15 points was definitely the highlight. Stones and Walker, six and seven points respectively. Uh, Martinez for six. Um, nothing to write home about in the midfield and really nothing to write home about other than Tony in the forwards. But that was enough to get him into equal fourth place um guys do we do we think dave 
might need to start looking a little bit at midfield, for example. I know it's a difficult one to change given Mick's already t- spoken about the depth, but is there any cause for concern for Dave there? Like, let's not give him too many hints, guys. Um, well, but, I was just yeah. going to say that. He, he can get in line, thank you. Uh, and quite fortunately, he literally is in line. That's how the system works here. But I was just having a quick look, and he's got Leon Bailey, who, look, yeah, there's potential, particularly as... Um, with the new Stevie system G. there, but yeah. I, I just I don't know how much. Now, I've read a bit that Bertrand Traore is going to get um, shipped out, um, but Stevie G loves the, the two strikers, and I think that's going to stay that way. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to see how much time Bailey's going to get. Um, but the one I wanted to pick up is Jack Grealish. Two games in a row, he hasn't played a minute. Now, I know he's got a bit of a knock at the moment. I think, I'm not sure if that's from uh, Champions League or what, but or from international duty, sorry, but... Interesting one that he was so creative at the start of the season without necessarily hauling um, points, but he was one of the key focal points of their attack on that left side, creating chances. And mm. the ICT index on the fantasy website uh, has him, I think, still in the top 10 despite playing the last, not playing the last two yep. games. But interesting to see how much value he still holds, whether he's up there still with De Bruyne coming back, does that put Bernardo Silva out onto a wing? Because he's been so good in that attacking midfield role. Um, Sterling started last game in front of him. Is there a chance that Grealish has dropped down the pecking order? Is Pep Roulette going to come back? I'm just interested to see what, what value you guys would place on mm. Grealish now. We didn't talk about uh, Bernardo for, for Jeff because that's been one of your sort of shining lights for your team. Like he's been he's been so good for, for you. And I think that um, regarding Grealish, like he played the first seven games straight for, for City in the league. And that's like almost unheard of for a for a pep team with the rotation. So um, for me, like I thought it was a really good pickup from, from Dave at the time. But over the last sort of since maybe game week six onwards, it sort of hasn't hasn't really delivered too much. So uh, I don't know if Dave's willing to look at trades or anything like that. But um, I guess you know, for someone like you, Jeff, you've got Bernardo. There's probably no reason to to think of trying to get someone like Grealish into your side. I think I've got enough Man City in there um, and the Pep Rule. Can you put does. more in? I can try if uh, <laughs> if uh, Laporte or uh, KDB wants to come over, then I'm more than happy to have them. Um, it'd be an interesting midfielder to have Salah, KDB, Sterling. That would be a good midfield to have. Um, however, I'm quite happy with my midfield, and I'll be looking to strengthen the other areas. Have you been surprised by Bernardo? I have been. Uh, I am happy to have him, and he's one of the players that's a guaranteed starter. There we go. I never thought I'd hear those words from from someone about a Man City player. There you go. Um, Gilby, anything to add about Dave's team? Do you, do you do you see some issues arising with his, or are you pretty pretty happy with where he's at at the minute? Yeah, well, I mean, he has got a really good defensive base to build from. I had a look at TAA and he is on track. He's ahead of, significantly ahead actually, of where he was when he set the record a couple of seasons ago for a defender in terms of their point scores for a season. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, building on that at the back with now Stones and Walker, Livermento is an FPL darling for a lot of people, Christensen a piece of the Chelsea defence. So, got a really, really good base to build from. As you said, he's um, midfield, he can maybe look to strengthen that. His strikers, if we're looking for a rotation there. But yeah, I mean, if Grealish comes back to start, Son catches fire a little bit under Conte. Um, mm. 
yeah, Dave's got a really good base to build from with a few moves. If he can get a little bit of the Isaac dark magic happening, um, then yeah, he'd be well on the way. Now, we we're just talking a little bit then about, I guess, Trent and how he's going now. I've just found a little tweet here that has minutes per FPL return. So goals, assists, and clean sheets. So bundling them all together and how many minutes you have to play to get one of those. So now this is only including players that have played at least six games, so 540 minutes or more. Now, who would you say is the top out of that list? Clean sheets, assists, goals per minute. Are we talking this season? Yeah, this season, and this is including last round. So November 22, this got put out. I'll say Cancelo. Sixth. Really? With every 82.2 minutes. There's only six players that have averaged one of those, or effectively six points per match. So Cancelo has 82. In front of that is Chalobah, one of the most in-and-out players of our league. 77.6. Jeff will go for him next week. has played enough to get into that. In front of that, Chilwell, 67.5. TAA, 67.2. Yep, Salah, 56.8. Reese James, 45.7. So he is well ahead of um, Salah. So TAA, he is where he is, yeah? He's missed two games through injury. I think it was through injury um, or whether it's rotation. I was rotated once, I think. Other than that, he's pretty much played every minute, I'm pretty sure. But Reese James is killing it at the moment. Um, interesting to see if you had the choice right now, knowing how it went, would you take TAA or Reese James start of the season? Oh, TAA, a hundred, hundred times out of a hundred. Yeah, I think. See, Reese James, those those numbers are, are good for Reese James because he's he's missed so many games as well, and the games he has played, he's banged. So, like, if he'd played those other games and maybe hadn't done too much, his his that that stat would have, I think, gone down a little bit for him. Um, but I just like to point out that this is probably the time uh, in the podcast where Dave would would um, go to the story of, you know, it was the night of the trade and Isaac sort of said, you've got to you got to get your points where you get your points. Doesn't matter uh, what the position is. But uh, so, you know, that's what I took on board and that's why I picked up TAA, TAA when I did. So I just thought I'd I'd put a bit of Dave into the, the podcast, if that's all right, boys. I feel like he's told that story a few times. And Dave, if you're listening, which I know you will be, um, feel free to continue with that story because, you know, uh, you just tell it so well. And I see oh. Isaac's actually taking his shirt off as he's told that story, Dave. So you're <laughs> yeah. here in spirit. Absolutely. Um, I just don't just have the chopper mo. <laughs> just having a look at uh, Reese James' stats, and every time he started a Premier League game and played 90 minutes, he has scored 18, 13, 21, 12, and 7. So if he starts, he scores. There, there's He's been no pretty good. It. He's been pretty good. Um, admittedly, I, think I had a play at him at once. I think Dan, I think, has him at the moment. Yeah, and Dan's had him the whole time. Yeah, and I'm Other pretty sure that, he tried to trade with Rudiger, for example, in like a in a double trade. I said no. I'm not yeah. too unhappy with that, but yeah. Other than that, he's got ones. He's had four ones for one twenty eight, forty seven, and twenty three minutes, and then three where he didn't appear at all. So seventy five points when he's only started six games hmm. out of the twelve. If he'd started all of them. Yeah, he is. You I can guess, understand why he'd be up there with Salah. Yeah, I mean the stat I guess says that if he plays enough minutes, he's gonna he's gonna get a return. Yeah, so. and like, I I was obviously mentioned that I watched the game this morning for Chelsea, but have you seen the quality of his finishing? It is unbelievable that the switch um, this morning. I can't even remember who it was exactly that gave it to him. Um, could have been Hudson Odoi for all I remember. Could have been Chilwell as well, but brought it down with his chest, the patience to wait, and he just absolutely wellied the ball across the face unbelievable finish and they've all basically been the same that kind of 
had a touch on the half volley on the rise and just puts it away. It's he, he's better than a right back. He him and TAA man England deservedly should be up there for favoritism for the World Cup next year. Purely because of the the quality of their wing backs, Luke Shaw probably not as good as he was maybe six weeks ago. Um, but, so I'm hearing yeah, they think, should have a team full of wing backs. Is that what? Just put all the wing backs on the field. I mean, why couldn't you? I would right now. I mean, and I think um, they asked Klopp about that earlier in the season. Is have you considered playing TAA through the middle as a centre mid? And I think Klopp's response was, "Why would you play the best right back in the world not at right back?" Is he the right back in the world? Best right back in the world? I think he he's his range of passing is good enough. He's good enough on the ball. If if Southgate wants to play three at the back with Kyle Walker as that right centre back, I can understand if he wants to try something like that. Maybe you've got the versatility there anyway. So it'll be hard to leave Rhys James out, if especially if you do play the three at the back with wing backs. You've got a Luke Shaw on one side, you've got Rhys James on the other. I could understand if he plays Rhys James there, keeps TA on the bench as a, a rotation option because he could play as the defensor. I, I would happily have him as a, one of the centre-backs replacing Kyle Walker. You could put him at the right wing back replacing um, Rhys James. You could play him through the middle. You could arguably play him as a winger. He's good enough. So I know something to keep in mind there, but I think Rhys James, Dan's got something there. And now with Chilwell out, Aspi could um, deputise over there as well. And more reason to keep him on the bench and not spend him so he can play either side or through the middle. No, fair enough call. I guess uh, Gareth, Southgate, Gareth South, Southgate will decide who is the best right back in the world at the end of the day, won't he? So that'll be an interesting one to see. Uh, let's and keep watch going. Him, Ooh, watch yeah. him go with Juan Bissaka. Watch him do it. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, wow. <laughs> let's, let's move on. So in sixth place, we've got Dan, uh, who with 45 points this week, uh, was able to extend his lead a little bit uh, over, over the person in seventh. Um, on 496 points. So uh, if we're looking at Dan's for this week, he was able to nab four points from Lloris. Again, 12 points from James, who we were just talking about. Six from Tomato. Uh, Wolves have been sneaky good these last few weeks. They've been picking up some good points. Um, uh, Cornet, who uh, he traded for, scored another brilliant goal. So that was obviously a, a good pickup f- uh, f- from Dan. Um, Buemo, two points. Bowen, two points. I think that's the first time in seven game weeks that Bowen hasn't actually got a return. Uh, Townsend, two points. Huang, two points. And King on six points. Um, nothing to write home about on the bench, but uh, 45 points overall um, with a player... Um, Tomiyasu, Tomiyasu, sorry, getting a zero, also having played against the Liverpool. So forty-five points, nothing to sneeze at. Done pretty well there. Um, what are we thought? What are we thinking on that one, Gilby? How did? How, how do you rate his week? Yeah, no, really good week. We already talked about Reese James. Um, potentially, like he's going to be rocks and diamonds, and in our scoring system this season, really well suited for that. So. Yeah, good on him for um, picking up Reese James and uh, sticking with a Chelsea player there. But poor old Embuemo uh, hit the woodwork for the seventh time this season. So it could have been even better for him. And that trade that he did to bring in Embuemo and Cornet could have looked even better this week. Um, I would love to know what the record number of woodwork hits in a season is. And I, I don't know. I mean, at this point, you'd have to say if you're going over and under... 12 
you're probably saying Waymo is on track to go over. <laughs> so uh, it could be a lot better for Dan if Waymo can hit the target there. Um, had a real look at Josh King this week as well. He's looked very, very good for Claudia Ranieri and um, is looking like he could potentially become a elite level striker. Um, he Since he's first started at a Ranieri in round nine, he's actually top in the league as far as strikers go uh, for goal attempts, big chances, and goals scored. And the only person who's ahead of him for penalty box touches is Salah. So King has looked really, really dangerous uh, for Ranieri. There we go. Wow, that's a stat I would have heard. He's, he probably hasn't been at this level since uh, it was like his first season when he was a midfielder for Bournemouth, just about, hey. So that I know that he was uh, really big in the fantasy game that particular season, and it looks like he could be well on the way to do that again. That's a really good pickup, Gilby. Um, I guess... Just, just quickly. I, yeah. I tr- sorry. I, I just tried to find the stat of who's hit the woodwork the most. Now, I thought I'd found it, but it turns out that's who's hit the most the woodwork the most in the last 10 seasons. Wow. And the top of that list with 44 is Robin Van Persie. Now, you can actually go down to tied 10th is Sergio Aguero and Gareth Bale with 16. So the fact that Embuemo has seven in 12 matches, I reckon he's a good chance to break the single-season record for most times hitting the post. Wouldn't you love to see them have an end-of-season, you know how they have goal of the season, hit woodwork of the season? and and But wouldn't it be terrible if he actually didn't win it? given he's had that many and somebody else took away the crown, like would that would just be horrible for him. Like not only did he miss out on scoring seven or more goals, he also doesn't get hit woodwork of the season. That would just be horrendous. Oh. Oh. But I mean, if you give him, well, let's give the better if they don't give him half of those goals, that's worth, what would you say? Well, counting bonus points as well. Mm, We'd probably yeah. say another 20 or 30 points. And he's on 34 points now. Yep. So if we give him those 34, I'll just have a quick look here. And that would take him up into the top 10 midfielders. So, I mean, at the moment, 10th is Jota on 54. So, I mean, it's an elite level midfielder if he can convert those. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so, and he might still yet, you know, and, and um, I think, you know, Brentford still have a pretty good run of fixtures coming up. So, you know, he's hoping for Dan's sake it happens. Um, I, like I said previous, I just saw it as another Traore in my in my mind. So I was happy to do a trade. But, you know, let's let's wait and see. He might start converting and and get that haul. Now I've actually got the answer for you, Gilby. Now Brentford actually Ooh. put out a video of Embuemo, um, hitting the woodwork in the end seven times, like you said. Premier League tweeted, "What's the highest number of times woodwork has been hit in a single player by a single player in a Premier League season?" The answer is ten. Now they don't say who it is, um, but that was put Eww. out less less than twenty four hours ago. So he is on track. I reckon he is well and truly on track to break that record. Um, it, it is Robin Van Persie as well, 2011-2012 with ten. Suarez, Kevin De Bruyne, and Harry Kane have all had nine. Aguero has at eight, and Suarez has at eight. So he's pretty much almost in the top six already. Ever. It was it was probably his dream to pick up a. a... Um, a record in the Premier Leagues, but maybe not this particular record, but it was you know a record nonetheless. The, the record for a club to hit the post in a season is thirty three, so he alone could break the club record. That's the new target. It, interestingly, the top four teams: Liverpool, Liverpool, Man City, and Liverpool. So Liverpool's really good at almost winning things. <laughs> 
Oh, very nice. Well, I guess this moves us uh, into our, our our next manager um, in time. in seventh place. Well, if you if you picture if you pulled your socks up, Mick, we wouldn't have to wait this long to actually get to you in this particular part of the podcast. If I um, pulled my socks up, they'd be higher than my league position. <laughs> Not hard. Um, so <laughs> at the that that I guess leaves us to Mick. So uh, like I said, Dan was able to extend his lead a little bit. It's starting to stretch out. You got thirty nine points this week, um, four hundred and sixty eight in total. Uh, what's your feeling towards that, Mick? Are you are you concerned by him sort of just getting away that little bit? Uh not necessarily. I mean, I looked at the week and I think I finished fifth overall, but the person behind me was one point behind. The person behind that was another one. The person behind that was yep. another one. So it was one where I didn't gain on anybody. Um, obviously, we all lost forty odd thirty points to you. Nathan probably put 15 to 20 points on us. Um, but other than that, it was all less than 10. So yes, it wasn't a good week. I came fifth. I didn't catch anyone. But for the vast majority of the people around me, I didn't lose positions either. So it was a week where I scored less than 40. I would say that's pretty much bang on average for my score. So it was an average week for me and I didn't move down. So I would call that a pass. Um I had Redmond coming back from having COVID. He decided to go and be at the birth of a child. So he also didn't play again against Norwich. So rude. I thought that was a chance to get some points. And unfortunately, nothing came from that. Um, I had Saiz for seven, Chilwell for nine. Apart from that, uh, Wood came off the bench for a few for an assist for six and Ronaldo got an assist. Other than that, there was a two, a one, a one, a one, a one, a three, a three. So... Not a whole lot to write about. Um, unfortunately, Jesus does, didn't play. And Red, Red, like I said, Redmond yeah. also didn't play. I was about to say, does it sting that, you know, not only uh, did uh, Sterling score a goal when you just traded him, but he probably played instead of Jesus? A little bit. And let's face it, it was going to happen. Um, <laughs> and I guess part of the reason is, part of the reason I held him for so long is I understood he wasn't scoring. But when I, and I made the trade with Jeff and we looked at his midfielders, outside Bernardo Silva, he was, Sterling had had more opportunities and had just done nothing with it. Mares, on the other hand, has taken opportunities without having as many. So I, I still thought there was way more upside to a Sterling than there was to a Mares. It was just that he hadn't done anything with it. Um, I think it was one of those that, especially with seeing Havertz I knew his run was about to end. I knew those two guys were going to come back from injury. He'd scored a goal the week before. This was my chance to get rid of him. Um, so I thought, well, if there's a bundle deal out there, let's do it. And I, like I said, I looked at a few of the stats and Gundogan had some really good underlying stats in that role. And I'm just hoping that Pepperlet's not back now that Champions League's actually going. And then I think I read somewhere there's something like 10 game weeks in the next 42 days for the Premier League. Um, so there's some heavy, heavy fixtures, mm. so there will be some rotation, but yep. I guess it's a, it's a good time to have guys that you know are going to play every game and probably look at something like Jeff's team who has those big teams and that he might have to hit the waiver wire pretty hard just to make sure he has a, a full team each week, but we'll wait and see what happens with that. And um, just quickly on the habits thing, I didn't mention it a minute ago, but it's an interesting one. Like I said, I watched the game this morning and Pulisic played as that central striker. Um, for the majority, and he played, I think he came off the bench, he may have played in the last game um, with their 3-0 win, and everyone was raving about his goal and how good it was and how well he played, and they moved him centrally and did nothing. 
I'm really, I won't say worried, but Dan's held Lukaku for a long time, having seen it with Havertz. I'm not sure how much of a fantasy asset Lukaku is really going to be. Yes, he's a much, much better striker, um, but Havertz scored two goals in that entire block between the FA Cup, the League Cup, and uh, Champions League, I think, and the Premier League. Both of them were corners. So it's not exactly a raving, uh, I guess, thing for their system that their central striker in that time, and I would assume they've scored 20-odd goals when their two wing-backs have scored, I would the argue, majority. eight or nine <laughs> of their goals, and Golo Kante has scored as well. Um, none of those being penalties. There, there's nine of their 20, 25 goals. Havertz scored two. Yes, Lukaku's a different beast, but... Uh, Gilby's stat a couple of weeks ago about Tuchel's system and not centering, favoring the striker. be interesting to see if, if someone offered Dan a trade. Obviously, being a Chelsea fan, I think it'd find it hard, particularly having held him the whole way through injury. But be interesting to see what value he'd hold. Um, as, a, as a hypothetical, if Lukaku could be traded for a Jack Realish, which side of the fence would you boys be on? I... I... I'm always partial to safer players rather than the rotation players. Um, I'm going on the side of Lukaku, um, if that was me. I would agree. I'd, yeah, I would I would go with Lukaku as well at this point, just based on that. Yeah, I'd definitely go Lukaku because they're not going to spend the amount of money on Lukaku and not play him. He brings other players into it and lets them come around. So I think that it adds a different dimension to Chelsea. What I do that, see, though, Mick, yeah. I do I do see a potential um, would Lukaku trade uh, potentially be being put on uh, as an offer from you, Mick. Uh, that, that's just just in my head. I just put that out there for you. I mean, I, I'd go for it. I'd love Dan <laughs> to say yes to that, but I know it's not going to happen. Um, in in all fairness, though, he's playing a very similar role. <laughs> the role that Wood plays for Burnley is not that dissimilar. The difference is, is Chelsea has the quality of guys around him to fulfill that role and then take it forward from there, whereas Burnley doesn't. It slows down, it works back, and then he gets into a position where he can score from a set piece. So it'll be interesting to see what happens from there. But um, we know that, yeah, Dan's effectively first draft pick hasn't done much. So there's a few guys in our league with Nathan as well. But I think when you compare the two, I would say Nathan's as well as having a 70, 60, 70 point head start on where Dan is. Um, Nathan's also got the better player out of those two first round draft picks. And I f- see it hard in, in that direct comparison for to see Dan catching Nathan. So I think good, good luck to Dan, but we'll see what happens in coming weeks. I've got two questions for you, Mick. First one, Sar on the bench for eight points. Wolves have been playing pretty well. What was the justification there for having Sar on the bench and Cruel starting? Wolves, Wolves have been pretty good, um, but West Ham have been unbelievable. So my thinking there was <laughs> there's not going to be a clean sheet. There's Yes, there's going to be save points, but I also thought Southampton have been good and Tim Krul would get more save points. And I mean, when you say that both teams won by one goal, it's just unfortunate that when you look at Southampton, that Southampton actually dominated the goal of Norwich. Yes, they scored with clean sheet points, but somehow Krul just didn't save anything. So I dare say Norwich's defence just got better for once. 
they actually block shots rather than making cruel do it all. So a little <laughs> bit unfortunate. I, I was never in any doubt as to that one. Yes, it hurts. It cost me six points, but um, I was always, I was never going to go against West Ham. I would always back even a Norwich with a new manager bounce um, to come back. So unfortunate, but I guess that happens. Fair enough. Uh, my second question, and uh, this is on behalf of Gilby. Uh, let's say hypothetically, uh, Chilwell is out for an extended period of time. Are you going to put your money where your mouth is and actually trade him out for another defender to pick up those points in the period where he's not playing? You're welcome, Gilby. Yeah, fair enough. Um, depending on, obviously, news. Um, I know. I'm saying hypothetically he's out for a period of time, a long period of time. What are you doing? What, what's a long period of time? I don't know, um, Gilby. What's a long period of time like? Because obviously, you know, I'm I'm just trying to badger Mick yeah, yeah, here, yeah, get, get him back for you so, know badgering Gilby. What, say, what do we say? It's from? a six week injury. Say he's done some level of um, grade one, grade two ACL without a full tear. Say six weeks. In that time period, he's going to miss ten games. I guess the question would then come down to what's happening mid season draft wise. And we will talk about that, what the go is, because based on where I am, I'll be able to pick him up again if he's still available. If not, there will be another defender available that would be to a similar-ish ilk. And I say similar-ish being not quite as attacking. The issue here is similar to what happened with Kieran Tierney. Was the best player or I'll say best player in Arsenal's team for a long time before they turned the corner. Got injured, and other guys come in. Alonso, I would argue, is a much, much better replacement than Nuno Tavares from Arsenal. Tavares played really well. Alonso plays really well. Does Chilwell come straight back into the team? Alonso started the season. Alonso started the season quite well. So all it's done is, um, yes, he may come back after six weeks, when he does come back, if Alonso does half decently, he won't start again. So if I do get any confirmation that it is a long-term period, he may be coming out of the team. Maybe I'll offer him his trade bait because he holds some value still. Maybe someone else is willing to take that hold. But I think I will wait until as long as possible to find out what he's done. Um, hopefully that happens tomorrow sometime. Um, but obviously I, I, I would say that with, with this many games, it makes it hard. If it was earlier in the season, yes, I'd hold because he is my best player. I don't think there's much doubt about that in terms of having played so far. Ronaldo probably holds most upside, but Chilwell is my best player at the moment. Um, but there's plenty of other defenders out there. Defenders are one that there's so many of that I would probably try to trade him to someone else and then try and strengthen my midfield as a result. So shortly to answer your question, he may not be in my team, but I probably wouldn't immediately drop him without exhausting all options, as I do. <laughs> I just thought I'd put that to you. Uh, I'm, I'm still not satisfied. I, I appreciate that Gilby has been very, no, this is what I'm doing. Mick, you're just, uh, you're just everywhere, Mick. So we'll reassess this next week when they come out and say it's an eight-week injury and he's still in my team after this weekend and you can be like, <coughs> excuse me. Oh, I will. You know I will. Uh, very good. All right. So I guess that leaves us uh, in eighth place with Ben. So Ben, 38 points this week, only five points behind um, Mick. 
having a look at his team really, really quickly, uh, a, f- a few things that he probably won't be too happy about this particular week, uh, one of them being Maguire with minus three points. Um, although Thiago Silva, Silva six points was a, a, a good result for him. Ten points for... Um, uh, where are I? It's 10 points for St. Maximin, uh, five points for Armstrong. Um, so, you know, a, a few good things happening there. I guess the worry for, for Ben at the moment is he's definitely his bench in that he's got Zanka, Pereira, and Pogba, um, none of which played. Uh, Pogba is out for um, with a thigh injury after his red card as well. So there's, there's a few things that I think Ben has to consider there that he might need to take into the waiver wire this week. Yeah, no, I was just going to mention Pereira's fantasy value. It has to have almost completely disappeared, right? The guy's done nothing pretty much all season. He has a rotation option based on last year with Castagne. Um, Leicester have been awful, so their clean mm. sheet output's not going to be great. He's not going to get as many minutes. I think that's one where Ben's still holding based on previous performance. It's not one where he's playing it to what it is now. Um, Zanko was one that I spoke to him about a couple of weeks ago when he picked him up. I said, look, you I can't remember who exactly he swapped him for, but it's someone who's not playing. You may as well pick up Brentford, who have been defensively pretty solid. Um, so that's a rotation option. Um, and Pogba, well, that's a hard one. He started the season on fire. I think he got four assists in the first game. He hasn't done a whole lot since, but... I would still argue he should be in the best team for United. He's When he's on, he's one of the best players in the world, arguably. So he, he should be fantasy value, and I can understand why he's holding that. What I don't understand is why he's holding so many other guys when he's um, carrying Pogba as well. So I do find it strange some of the free agent trades he put through, but I was just going to mention, I mentioned it before, but I actually had a trade sitting there last night to bed. Um, one that I hit him up last week for that I think I probably spoke about regarding Kane. And I said, look, I'll come back to you in a couple of weeks when Kane's still done nothing and we'll see where you're at. Kane did nothing on the weekend. So I went straight back to him. I said, look, I can't sit on my laurels. I'm going to offer you again the same trade I did last week. I said, Chilwell and Chris Wood for Kane and Zanka. Knowing Zanka's a throwaway, I said, here you go. Um, and he said to me, he's like, he still had today off work before he goes back to his shifts again. Um, and he said, look, let me think about it. So I went back to him this morning. And unfortunately, he said, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to take it off the table. Chilwell's now injured, so it's gone. But I had a feeling he would have gone very close to accepting it. So I'm a little bit disappointed that that's happened. Um, I'm well aware that if Chilwell didn't get injured, he's more likely to keep playing and he could have big points. But I'm at the point of the season now where I need to give up kind of the guaranteed average of four points to try and get a 20 because that's how I'm going to catch up. So yeah, that, that, that's where that one is. I'm, I'm still trying, but it's obviously a lot harder when one of your best players is an unknown. Yeah. The weird one is Pogba for me because everything I've read said he's out until January um, on the official game. There's no actual return date for him. So given that's after the mid season draft and how bad Manchester United have been. Um, yeah, that's an immediate one. I'd be looking to upgrade imme- uh, right now. Okay. 
can you yep so it's just amazing that um you mentioned the trades there just before i've actually offered ben several trades for kane so the first one i had was piera and kane for one basaka and vardy what's your thoughts on those that guys i can understand it um i can see some value in it now like we said i don't know how much value vardy holds Yes, he's going to play. I think he's played all but 47 minutes or something this season. Um, but he's still overperformed where he should be. He should have only scored about five goals. He scored seven. He, he's just one of those that he, he takes chances that are worth nothing um, but doesn't necessarily score some of the easy ones. He only scores ridiculous. He just accumulates lots of shots and then occasionally scores. So it's one of those. I think Kane still has the most value in that. Pereira, I don't hold a lot of value in and. The issue with that is Ben has Maguire. There is, if there's a defense in the league I'm not doubling up on right now, it's Man United. So in, if he got rid of Maguire somehow and had some other quality instead, um, say you get rid of a Maguire and pick up a, I think he has Thiago Silva in his team, but maybe a Laporte. Yes, they're not exactly comparable, but if he has a Laporte, maybe you'd consider it because I can see how that is strengthening his team. Um, but yeah, with, with, with two Man United defenders in there, I can understand why he held on to Kane. And like I've said before, there's also there's less shame with holding a guy who might come good than there is to giving away a guy who does come good. <laughs> I guess in my my viewpoint, I'd rather have take the risk. Um, sitting at fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, I'd rather take the risk to come first and second uh, than, than sit and tread water. So I guess that's where I'm looking at it as well. Yeah. Shake it up and uh, go from there. Yeah, I think, though, in terms of that, Kane has more upside, not necessarily just because he's Harry Kane, but new manager, not quite sure how they're going to play and how they're going to, in terms of their team as a whole, how they're going to change. But I don't see Leicester improving significantly. The only way they change is if Rodgers goes to Man U and I see them getting worse and I see Vardy being less valuable. So I, I see Vardy as unfortunately having overperformed so far. He might maintain this level at best, but I don't see him improving from here. Whereas Kane has a massive upside. It, it, Kane can't be any worse than he is, quite possibly. I, I just Ben, as far as I'm concerned, couldn't have done much worse than he has based on his top performance not performing. Um, and I, I would argue that exactly the same for me, which is why the two of us are down where we are. It's if we had that big hitter like yourself, Jeff, with Salah, different story. So it's one of those that mm. I can understand why he's holding on to him because I'd honestly I'd probably be doing the same thing. I guess it depends, yeah, where he wants to strengthen as well. Like for example, I could see him, I could see him uh, trading, doing a double trade with Kane and somebody else to strengthen a different area. And given what's in the waiver wire this week pick up a fairly decent forward who would, you know, be more than suitable to uh, replace Kane, essentially. So I could, uh, if he if he wants to strengthen another area like his defense or his midfield, I could see him doing that quite comfortably and a trade like that. Um, so I guess it really depends if he does want to strengthen a different area or if he, um, you know, is, is happy just to go waivers at this point and still hold out for Kane. But, you know, I... I, I think there's potential for him to do something like that personally. So guys, that's our league. That's where we're sitting. I think um, 
you know, what what are we in terms of our rounds in, you know, it's 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 interesting to see the points and to see just how spaced it seems, but just how quickly that space can erode, um, you know, with the way that we're playing at the moment and just how, um, you know, one person getting big points and the others not getting so much can really change the table. So uh, next few weeks will be interesting, especially with like, uh, I think it was maybe Mick that mentioned there's a lot of games coming up. So there'll be a lot of rotation. Um, having people who are playing on your bench will be really important. Uh, so that will be very, very interesting to see what shakeup that might cause. Uh, but in saying that, guys, I guess it's time to turn to next week uh, where we've got a f- uh, some very interesting games. Uh, we have start with Arsenal versus Newcastle. Then we look at Palace versus Villa, Liverpool versus Southampton, Norwich versus Wolves, Brighton versus Leeds. And then um, we go to Brentford versus Everton, Burnley versus Spurs, Leicester versus Watford, Man City versus West Ham, and Chelsea versus Man United. Uh, I'm gonna turn to you, Gilby. What is your, what is, what's the game that you are looking at? Um, uh, I can, I probably know the one that you're interested to see, but let's maybe talk fantasy points. Where are you? Where are you looking this week? I think a really interesting one in terms of like in real life and in terms of fantasy is Palace and Villa. Um, two midfield hard men as managers. Uh, Gerard looks like he's going to go his 4-3-3 he, with these attacking fullbacks. So cash and target, their value's probably gone up. I know you've brought in Watkins now as well, so probably keen to see if he can continue his form. And then on the other side, does Benteke, is that the true flash in the pan of this week or is he actually going to continue scoring some goals? Gallagher, I know, um, has been really good so far. I know you picked up um, Gawai as well. Um, I've got Tyrick Mitchell, so really interesting one for our league and a really interesting one for new managers. Um, and, yeah, I mean, should be an entertaining match. Um, I saw that Crystal Palace are now actually the worst team in the league from set pieces. So that's going to be an interesting one, given that well, Villa, they don't really have that big like um, set-piece threat as such. Maybe Mings? I don't know. Maybe you go Tyreen Mings. Yeah. That might be an interesting one to pick up. I think he's available on our waiver wire as well. So, yeah, that, that to me is a very interesting one from a number of different viewpoints. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jeff, where are you looking this week? What, what, what games piqued your interest for, for fantasy returns? It was interesting. I was actually going to go Palace Villa myself, but uh, I'm looking at it and I'm going Wolves and Norwich. And I think Wolves are in a rich vein of form. Uh, Norwich are bouncing back. Can Pookie get some points at home? Uh, And Wolves, they're underrated, but they're currently sitting above Man United in the table. So that could be an interesting game. And I think it will be a very open game. So I can see that definitely being over two and a half goals. Cool. Very nice. Well, uh, I'm going to go with um, I'm going to actually go with the first game of the game week: Arsenal Newcastle. Uh, Arsenal coming off a you know a loss, which I think sort of shows that they're not quite at the the elite standard just yet in the Premier League. Newcastle um, coming off three goals, I believe. So they you know they've they've scored a few goals in the last game. Um, still didn't get a win, unfortunately for them. They're going to want to pick up points. It's really essential that they do. 
Um, and maybe this is the time against the Arsenal side that, that got uh, absolutely done last week. So I think that's going to be a, an interesting game. Um, you know, will the Arsenal backs be able to handle someone like St. Maximum? Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm keen to see sort of how that one plays out. And I think there could be some good points on offer there for both teams. Um, and Mick, I guess this leaves us with yours. Now, you know, I think uh, everyone is keen to see just just what multi you put on the table this week. So, um, mixed mischievous, magnificent, mega miracle, magic, marvelous, malign, majestic, multi. I didn't throw another M word in this week because I just couldn't think of one. That's okay. Hopefully you've thought of a multi though. I'm not going to lie. I've been so engrossed tonight. I've spent the last three minutes trying to frantically come up with one. <laughs> it It's, yeah, it's going to be a little bit, uh, a little bit harder to come up with one, but I think I've come up with something. So is it the winning something? Probably not, but hey, we didn't expect anything else. So (laughs) I had a look through the games and I tried to pick a game where I said, okay, where's a result that may go a little bit against the grain um, and how can I get some value in that? And to be honest, it didn't take me very long. I looked and found the first game, Arsenal-Newcastle. And I don't know if you saw, Brentford haven't been playing well and that's who Newcastle scored three against and Newcastle still conceded three. But I went with how many shots? 23 shots on goal is what Newcastle had against Brentford and you look at the start of the season, Brentford's not a bad defensive team. They, they started the season really well, so maybe Eddie Howe's starting to go in. Um, so I'm going to go with that game, okay? That's the one I'm going to go with. So I'm going to go overs for the goals, and I reckon Newcastle will get some level of results. So Arsenal won't win, effectively, is what that one is. So Arsenal won't win, a lot of goals. But I've picked a few goal scorers to go in this game. Obviously, when there's a few goals, you got to hope. So I back Aubameyang to get a goal. Okay, which I'm sure Gilby will be happy to hear. I reckon Callum Wilson might get a goal, which you could argue, okay, you've picked the two top scorers for both teams. That's easy. Now, (laughs) this is the one that pretty much adds the value. Now, I don't know if you noticed the formation that Newcastle played, but they played St. Maximum off the left, Wilson threw in the middle, and Joelinton off the right. So that's where the value comes in. So I've thrown Joelinton to score any times as well. Because so, he never scores, that's where you well, get the value. He got mad of the match last round. Wow, he played quite well. He's and that's another forward that I didn't mention before that is available. He played ninety minutes, so you never know. So he's all yours, Mick. To, to sum it up, <laughs> now nah, I'll, I'll keep Chris Wood. Thank you. Maybe if I can <laughs> uh, take a trade with someone, maybe I'll jump in if I need to. But Newcastle to get some level of a result, two and a, over two and a half goals, which is pretty straightforward when that multi's in. Wilson and Joe Ellington to score for Newcastle. Aubameyang to score for Arsenal. 39.50 is what that one comes through as. Like I said, it was a very last-minute one that I've thrown together. Um, I tried to have another look. I looked at the uh, Liverpool-Southampton game, and I said to myself, Liverpool are going to annihilate them. If if Southampton can have that many shots and not score that well against Norwich, they got nothing against Liverpool. So I did have another one with Liverpool to win to nil, um, trying to get Mane to score twice. And I was trying to find a way to not put Mane, uh, sorry, Salah in there, but I couldn't. So I put Mane twice, Jota to score as well, and Salah to get an assist. That was my way of saying, well, he might get something, but he won't score. And let's face it, I don't know if there was a stat out there at the moment, but a couple of years ago, Salah never assisted Mane. It's just one thing that doesn't happen. So that one, Salah to assist Mane alone should be 38 to 1, but 
for those things to happen, <laughs> Liverpool to win to nil, Jota to score one, Mane to score two or more, Salah assist was 47 to one. So there's another one out there for the punters. But yeah, let's let's stick with the Arsenal-Newcastle game this week. Well, just like Mick, it, it took me three minutes to come up with a, another M word. So that was Mick's mischievous, magnificent, mega miracle, magic, marvellous, malign, majestic, meh, multi. So, oh, yeah, geez. I thought hard about that one. <laughs> I bet you did. Yeah, it came to me as you were talking about your multi. Um, so, to be fair, I had to drag it out to give you more time. <laughs> thank you. No, I appreciate that. Um, so, guys, look, thank you all of you for being on this particular week. Jeff, I hope this has been a, a somewhat pleasant experience. We've, we've very much enjoyed you being on. Um, and look, the next time Dave is away or not even away, we can just boot him out and, and you're straight in. Uh, it's a pleasure being here and uh, hoping that uh, it's not a once-off and that we can uh, do this again sometime. But uh, listening to you guys chat is a uh, highlight of the week. So well done to everybody involved in this. Oh, we appreciate that. Thank you so much. That's wonderful. Fantastic. Well, guys, look, as always, we hope everyone goes well in, in um, fantasy this week. And we will be here and do it all again next week. So thanks very much, everybody. Cheers, boys. Yeah.